Welcome back to Thinking About It. Glad that you're able to tune in. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And Stan, today we're going to talk about hate. It's a happy topic. I hate talking about this subject, <laughs> uh, but you've heard people talk about hate speech, and uh, nobody likes to be hated. Nobody likes to hear hateful things. Uh, they're offensive. Uh, but more and more, we're living in a culture where uh, the courts are getting involved in in trying to regard hate speech as criminal or something. And so we want to talk today about how do we think about uh, hate speech? Is it something that can be stopped? Do we even try uh, or do we appeal to our culture uh, just to be more tolerant. So, and you you've been reading up on this lately. So, help us understand how to think about hate speech. What sparked all this for me was yesterday's uh, National Post and a front page story with the uh, with the headline: "Contentious Hate Speech Law Could Return." And so, the story talks about the fact that uh, the federal government is is expecting to table within the next few weeks a new statutory definition of of hate and hate speech. And it could involve uh, what the paper calls the reincarnation of a controversial hate speech law, uh, which goes back to uh, 2013. And and the uh, Canadian Human Rights Act. There was a lot of uh, of turmoil back then about it. Uh, Apparently, according to the article, much of the impetus for fresh definition of hate and hate speech and regulation of it relates to online content. And we both know there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of very bad stuff and crazy stuff that happens online, but it doesn't just happen online. And yet, and yet the, problem, the problem, well, one of the problems we face in all this is defining hate and defining hate speech, which becomes very subjective. And so, I mean, all of us would want to say definitely a no to speech that incites people to violence, uh, that urges people to criminal activity and that sort of thing. And yet, there's a tendency right now in our culture to act as if we all have a right to not be offended. And... And that makes it really tricky to define what hate speech might be and what we ought to do about it. Mm-hmm. So am I responsible if I say something uh, hateful or whatever and someone responds, uh, they're offended by what, I, by what I say, they feel hated by what I say, or someone says, and they respond to that by, with violence. They punch me out. I mean, do I get what I deserve? Maybe I do, but... Uh, who's responsible for for what they do, and do is this a legitimate response to offended, being offended? Well, I hope we would all say no. I mean, no, ma- no matter what another person says to me, uh, no matter how deeply offensive it is, or, or it, it, it may even be a genuine manifestation of hate, I hope everyone would say the right response to that is not to violently attack that person for mere speech. Um, 
But I, I think at, at the heart of my concern about, about hate speech law is the way some of it has been used by human rights tribunals in the past and in a way that, that plays into some of the other conversations you and I have had here on, the, on this podcast about um, the fact that in our current culture, there, there's a tendency to take any kind of critical speech, speech, speech that is critical of an ideology, persons who are committed to it, uh, critique of certain lifestyles, to take that as somehow hate speech. And it, and it goes back to a um, recent discussion about psychological man, mm-hmm. the rise and triumph of the modern mm-hmm. self, Carl Truman's book, in which uh, there, there's this sense that it's, it's not enough that you tolerate my existence and the, the things I think and the way I live and my right to express that. You have to affirm me. And so now it, it, it's very easy for this idea of hate speech to, to morph into any kind of speech that strongly expresses a negative assessment of what a person or a group might, might believe or do. And that's very dangerous. I, th- I mean, I, I th- that, that is going to be limiting free exchange of ideas and the possibility of growing through a free exchange of ideas, uh, limiting it in a way that, that I hope we would say no to. So I'm, I'm deeply concerned personally about, about our ability as humans and as Canadians in particular, because that's our social location, our, our ability to, to have serious expression of disagreement as we wrestle with all the questions of our day. I mean, how, how do I... How do I grow and develop as a person unless I admit that I may be wrong in some of my ideas? And I may need to have someone else say, here's why I think you're wrong. I really strongly think you're okay, wrong. Okay, so, it, it, but if people <clears throat> in our culture, in this, our psychological men and women, and they're very sensitive and they're hurt easily, not just irritated or bugged, but for the reasons that, that uh, Truman discusses, it's, it's a deep pain that they feel. Can we literally, uh, can we say that's your problem, not mine? Or are we responsible understanding how offensive we can be with unintentionally? Mm. Is it on us then to just to back off? Well, I would certainly agree that that we we should always be sensitive to the effect that our speech, whether whether it's oral or, or written, uh, the effect that our speech has on other people, and and if I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself, then I'm going to ask, how would I feel if my neighbor uh, spoke mm-hmm. about me or to me in in that way? So w- without a doubt, at the level of personal responsibility, uh, we, I mean, Christians of all people, should certainly be sensitive and, and never uh, find joy in offending other people. But 
when we move beyond that to say, okay, we're going to create laws that regulate speech in, in such a way that we're, we're not going to let you uh, speak about groups or ideologies um, in, in ways that may offend, that's a very different matter. I mean, there we're, we're not talking about how should I, as, as a person, uh, speak relative to other persons and groups. We're, we're talking about what, what kind of laws ought to be in place and to what extent should we regulate that to keep individuals and groups from being offended. Part, part of the article, late in the article, it says that as they're, as they're looking at the possibility of regulating online social media speech, they're, they're trying to develop mechanisms that are very sensitive to code words and uh, that, that, that may implicitly, though not explicitly, express uh, some kind of hate, what might be defined as hate, toward other people. Well, if, if, if we're down to f finding code words and saying, well, now that obviously implicitly says something else that's not actually there, and, and that might cause someone somewhere to, to wrongly detest an individual or a group, well, that looks like the nanny state on steroids. Mm -hmm. um, examining our speech and, and limiting our speech. I mean, we should be very careful about the way we speak, but I would argue we, we also need to be very careful about the extent to which we think we can actually legally regulate speech. Mm -hmm. On the surface, it sounds wonderful that we're going to cancel hate. We're going to build a just society, and you're not allowed to hate, and we're going to make it illegal for you to hate. People say, that, can we do that? It sounds, let's give it a try. But it's not really possible, is that? We have to accept that in our world where people are free to speak, uh, people will be free to hate. And hate is offensive, but it's not necessarily an incitement to violence. Indeed it's not. And, and we would agree that any kind of speech that, that in fact urges violence or criminal activity, that kind of thing, Obviously, that's problematic and does need regulation, um, does need enforcement, mm -hmm. um, merits punishment if, if people are inciting violence. But all too many times in recent history, in all kinds of speech, the, that for, forms that are simply expressing a, a genuine, serious, rejection mm -hmm. of a of a particular kind of lifestyle for example is is regarded as being hate speech mm -hmm. and and so my concern is we i hope the federal government and the, and all of us will think very carefully about how we actually define hate mm -hmm. and now hate speech we were talking just before about jordan peterson who has yeah. tenure with the University of Toronto, and he's been accused of hate speech just because he speaks truthfully, and in my view, quite reasonably, uh, to these issues. But he's got tenure, right? So 
we would imagine that he's allowed to continue in, in the way he is, but he's protected uh, from that. Can Canadians be protected? Is free speech uh, like a tenure for us? We're, we're allowed to speak freely, and, and uh, even if people accuse us of hate speech, that, that we should be free from um, criminal charges? Well, freedom of speech, freedom of expression is, in fact, one of the explicitly named freedoms in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. At the same time, uh, the Charter of Rights explicitly recognizes that the freedoms are not totally absolute, that there are occasions around the edges where it can be reasonably, it can be a... Mm -hmm reasonably uh, demonstrated in, in that, that a certain limit ought to be in place in a free and democratic society. Now again, uh, that's subjective. We understand the, the difficulty perhaps of locating that line that, that we might cross into a territory where the freedom would in some way have to be limited. But it, but it surely means that the burden of proof is always on those who would want to limit mm -hmm. freedom of expression. And I mean, I think I remember about oh, decades ago uh, when I was a very young daily newspaper in my city, typically in the op-ed pages had a quote from Voltaire who said something like, I, I detest your opinion, but I would defend to the, yeah. to, to the death your right to express <laughs> it. Um, and that has been, in, in a free and democratic society, our general mindset. But, but now, as, as Jordan Peterson found out, all he had to do was say, <laughs> you're either male or female, and, and either a male or female pronoun is the appropriate way to describe you, and I'm not going to be beaten into submission to use weird pronouns that you think I ought to use to describe you. And that was called being hateful. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think we have a problem if, if that gets defined as hate. So, so I would say I, I think we feel a legitimate concern. And, mm -hmm. and frankly, um, I mean, we've talked before about some of the ways in which the freedom of expression of the church is in danger. And this kind of legislation, if it, if it defines hate speech so broadly, catches so much in its net, could very well yeah. be, be an incredible barrier for the, for the church mm -hmm. to speak the truth of God's revealed word. You know, I, I think it's interesting that the state is trying to create a better man, a better woman, by law, right? Yeah, and yet we in the church, believers, are under a law, and that law is from our heart to love our neighbor. We're under law, but it's a law that, by God's grace, uh, we endeavor to obey, and and we can. But you can't, without that, impose a law from outside that addresses someone's heart. That only really comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> even. God himself, through the prophet Jeremiah, said, I'm going to make a new covenant because the, the old covenant 
the law, mm-hmm. the law, commands from God, which are good and right and true, cannot change the heart. No. The Spirit of God, given by God himself to indwell and transform us, changes the heart. Government needs to recognize there are limits to what we can achieve by law. Yeah. Well, Stan, we're out of time. And uh, we, this is the day we live in, and our people are listening to this. And we need to pray that uh, government would think twice uh, before they seek to go down this road and take away from us the right to say things the way they really are. And we've got much to pray for. Until then, thanks for listening to us uh, here on Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for listening. Keep on thinking. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.